Welcome to Running Is Bullshit, I'm Stuart. And I'm Amy, and you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. But what I love to hate even more is fucking Halloween, which is obviously why we've decided to do a feature on it, because it's, you know, just an easy thing for us to pin something on. Uh, we did, however, dig out a photo from three years ago of a rare occasion me and Amy actually ran in the same event. It was a Halloween five-mile race in 2017. Can I just say, this race was awful. Like, absolutely awful. I like the dressing up part. Any race where I have to, like, dress up, where, like, it's, you know, it's kind of a requirement, even though Stuart didn't dress up. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, you didn't have to dress up, and I didn't, so. It's kind of expected because it's Halloween, so I, I well. went as a... I went as a zombie runner and I remember I got ready over at Christina's and I just looked absolutely terrifying because I had all this blood all over my face. Oh, I thought you just tripped on the way there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much standard for me. I think everyone thought, oh, Amy, where's your costume? You just look a bit peaky and uh, you've obviously fallen over and cut your face just, open. Just normal. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, had quite, I had quite a lot of fun doing that. I've still got the, the best thing I made. You know, that was quite fun. But the race itself was shit. Not shit as in like... <laughs> The race itself was great. Like, you know, the organisation, everything like that. That was all fantastic. For me, it was shit. Because firstly, it was in pitch black. It was a night race in the dark. Yeah. My head torch was not bright enough at all. No, and mine either. No. It needed the... Well, it was dark anyway. And my head torch was just a cheap one. But also the batteries needed replacing, which I found out afterwards. <laughs> so it was basically like... I, I don't even know, like light from a, a distant star or something was lighting my way. It was that crap. So I had to basically make sure I stuck behind someone with a brighter head torch than me. And if I if I got lost, that was it. Because this was through Leckworth Woods in Cardiff and it was pitch black there. There was no form of light from street lamps or whatever. No. The other thing was, it was incredibly muddy, which Leckworth Woods is muddy. Mm -hmm. But it was that like proper slippy mud. It like was nasty, really yeah. It was really deep, yeah. most of it. Yeah, and it was so it was dark, it was slippy, and then there was all like tree roots and um, like stones and stuff over under it. And I was just thinking, I'm going to slip. And I, you know where I nearly slipped as well was uh, we had to go under a bridge at some point, and there must have been moss on the ground. Again, I couldn't fucking see, so I don't know. Uh, there must have been like moss under the ground on this bridge, and it was so slippy under this bridge, and I nearly went over several times. And the just whole thing was a nightmare. It's probably the slowest race. I've ever done just because I was like tiptoeing around but at the same time trying to keep up with the person in front of me nightmare well you know what at the time that was my five mile pb <laughs> I can't believe that was your five mile pb well I think it's the wild. it was only ever my second ever five mile race and the yeah. other one was like two years before so that's probably why um, I remember seeing you run past me on my way on my way back um and you were going so fast and I was like gingerly stepping over all the mud and trying not to slip yeah. and you were just like boom just get on with it yeah just no. crack on. Yeah, my head torch was shit as well. But my only, um, well, it's a slight nod to a costume. Um, someone bought me a little cat torch, which is kind of the, the um, bulb is in the cat's mouth. So I used that. I said, you know, it's like a familiar for Halloween. That's vaguely <laughs> appropriate. But actually, it was fucking handy to have an extra torch in your hand to also light your way. And I actually, that was extremely useful. That's my top tip for Halloween races. Buy yourself a cat torch. Yeah, good tip. <laughs> um, I finished eighth in that as well, which was really great. Uh, it was a, a reasonably modest time of 39.25. Um, but that time I did check because I'm that kind of person. That would have got me third place the next year and it would have bloody won me the race the year before. Oh. And actually, if the conditions had been a bit better, then you probably could have gone faster than that. Yeah, but then, the there were other, but then other people would have gone a lot faster than me, to be fair. So. That's true. Yeah, it just... It, 
Just you being fearless, I think. <laughs> just stupid, <laughs> mostly. And yeah, there was that lap on the, there was a little lap of a field as well, which again, just completely covered in water. And sometimes you just like your legs spinning and not really going anywhere, trying to turn corners. It was that proper like slip. You know, there's different types of mud, isn't there? And that was slippy mud. That was like mud. ice. Yeah. Mud. <laughs> so yeah that was a five mile race we did three years ago probably the last time we raced together really yeah <laughs> um this week for a little bit of change we've got a chocolate update Ooh. um now we're eating some very nice truffles that my friend sent me from booja booja now you can take the bias uh, as much as you want here it's basically my oldest friend who works at the factory he literally works in a fucking chocolate factory it pisses me off um but he sent over some chocolates and they're very very nice uh, they're vegan truffles so amy's got some as well yeah i i love booja booja they're, they're very rich i can only take sort of one at a time Stuart said he was sending me some truffles and i was like oh lovely and when i opened them i was like holy shit booja booja are you serious <laughs> well very you know, good i got friends in good places well. yeah <laughs> In chocolate factories are all the umpa lumpers. <laughs> it's something like that, yeah. I don't know. He he do, he works in the finance, so I don't really pay attention when he talks about it. Oh, so he doesn't listen to this. He's not in charge of giving out the golden tickets or anything like that. Though. I I don't think so. No. Oh, oh well. <laughs> so not, and what about your tea, Amy? As well. Before we so, get into it, we've got to get the important bits out of the way. I'm still going through my um, winter collection of Bird and Blend. Uh, so this week I've got spiced pumpkin pie, which is amazing. And uh, the blend, they've got little bits of real pumpkin in there. Just the right amount of spice, because sometimes I think when you have a spiced tea, it can be a bit overpowering, so you lose the other flavours. But mm. this is perfect. Just the right amount of spice. You can really taste the pumpkin in, pumpkin in it. Amazing. Lovely. Um, I've gone for a little bit of a cheeky blend again. I've uh, mixed up my Wittard's Masala Chai and the Burden Blend Dark Chocolate Chili Chai with a big blob of condensed milk in there as well. That is rich and spicy and, and, and wonderful. Like a barista. I am literally like a tea barista. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's like a proper name for that. But <laughs> tea barista. Yeah. Amy, um, tell us about your bullshit this week. Oh, well, I've managed to piss off a lot of people on Facebook. <laughs> Oh, that's not hard. No, it's not. I was quite naive. Um, I'm, as some of you may already know from listening to the podcast, I've started running with uh, Pippin, my Beagle Harrier Cross. I don't know whether I mentioned on the podcast, she had her DNA results back. Uh, turns out she's 100% that bitch. No, it turns out she's uh, <laughs> she's crossed with a Harrier, which we expected. So she's like half Beagle, half Harrier. Um, anyway, so I posted on uh, a Facebook group called Running With Dogs. And I hadn't really looked at the group much. I'd joined it, but I hadn't really looked at it much. But I posted and I wanted some advice because I'm trying to get her to run nicely off lead with me. So at the moment when we're running, I sort of, whenever I see like a cyclist or another runner, I've got to like hold her or clip her back on the lead because she tends to want to chase them or lunge at them. So she's under control, you know, she's off the lead when no one's around, but I always grab onto it when I see someone's co coming. I'm always very aware of my surroundings. So I posted on the first Facebook group and I said, look, basically that I said I'm looking to try and train her to run nicely lawfully with me at the moment her recall's great but she's not very good at her recall when there's cyclists and runners around is there anything that can help with this well this group was predominantly Americans I think because the amount of people that were kicking off at me for having <laughs> the audacity to have my dog off the lead like it was full on they were just like and <laughs> I think there is a cultural difference here because I tend to notice it seems in America they have a lot of laws around keeping dogs on leads and stuff like that and and it just seems a bit 
over the top. Whereas in the UK, my understanding is a lot of dog owners, you sort of train your dog to be good off the lead Mm. so they can go off the lead and so they can exercise when it's safe to do so. And people were kicking off and they were saying like, you shouldn't have your dog off the lead if it causes a cyclist an accident, blah, blah, blah. And I take that point, but she's not out of control when a cyclist goes by because I'm aware of my surroundings. I've got her. Also, I'm on a shared trail. Cyclists shouldn't be cycling like they're in the Tour de fucking France on there because Mm. it's a shared trail. They expect to see dog walkers, small kids, all that sort of thing, and yeah. have to may have to suddenly stop. If they want to ride fast, they go on the road. Do you know what I mean? And I was trying to explain this to people in this group. I was trying to say, I know this, my dog isn't out, you know, isn't out of control. I'm, I'm talking about a very, very specific situation. And also, it's quite different in the UK. So people were just, there was a few people from the UK that piped in who also run with their dogs off lead and had some great advice, but the majority of people were kicking off and then one of them was like oh no i've just seen you're in australia maybe not i'm like mate i'm not in australia i'm in the, I'm in the uk <laughs> i think they saw south wales and thought it was new south wales so they assumed i was in australia and then no, oh there's an old one as well wow oh my god and then um more recently so the, the comments have died down a bit i was going through that if anyone's ever engaged in one of these sort of debates on facebook you know that you're, you're constantly sat by your phone and you keep seeing the comments coming through and you're like right i'm gonna tell them what i think um the last few comments again from people in america have been well this is why i carry mace with me this is why i carry pepper spray with me <laughs> for out of control dogs i'm like no it wasn't even out of control it's like off-leash dogs i carry pepper spray in case i come across an off-leash dog just any I'm off-leash like, dog if anyone got a pep if anyone got pepper spray out right Round here and tried to get my dog with it, you'd be arrested for carrying a, yeah. a weapon, wouldn't you? Like, well, also the owner would what? kick the shit out of you. Yeah, it was just like there was just no understanding that I was coming from a different context. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I said to people multiple times, I'm in the UK. It's slightly, you know, things are slightly different here. Around mm. in terms of it's more acceptable to have your dog off the lead and then yeah. you train them to behave well off the lead. But people were kicking off, so yeah, I managed to <laughs> managed to piss a load of people off on Facebook, but. I did get some good advice from people in the UK alongside that. Buried in there was some good advice. <laughs> yeah, there, there was some good advice around like desensitization and stuff like that. But I started to question myself. I'm like, am I this... D-? Oh, that was the other thing that um, Pippin was going to cause a cyclist to fall off their bike, sustain life-threatening injuries, and then I get a lawsuit against me. That was yeah. this nightmare scenario that was going to happen. I was like, right, okay then. Just want a bit of advice on how to train my dog. That's yeah. that's all. That's all. That's all. So, um, so yeah, that was my evening last night. Was that's just... what you get for asking strangers things on Facebook. Oh, I just wanted some advice. I did get some good advice. So, so yeah, that that was fun. Um, if anyone has any recommendations for running with dogs groups in the UK, that would be fantastic. <laughs> so, if there are people going around with mace and pepper spray for awfully dogs perhaps you need to get a gun for pippin yeah I know, can you get I dog holsters yeah so pippin can shoot them it's like, <laughs> <laughs> is it, but just an update on that pippin is doing amazingly like Good. with the running off lead she's uh, we are on a run she's only had i think four runs with me so far and on the last run pretty much 70 percent of the time she was just trotting by my side mm. and the rest of the time she went a bit in front but then she'd come back like i said her only issue is she has this really st- strong chase drive so i'm constantly looking around me and every time a cyclist or runner's coming by i'm having to like sit her down getting her to focus on me things like that um but other than that she's doing amazingly so that's cool. been it's been quite fun running with her actually that's nice um, and then the only other thing is, of course, we're in lockdown in Wales, um, which apparently England is going to be in soon, next week, did you mm-hmm. say? Soon, some point? Anyway, 
So I've not been going to the gym, which is a bit of a ooh, but we've been able to go to other counties so I can do runs further afield from my home. Because I think I mentioned in a previous podcast, mm-hmm. I'm like right on the county border. So a lot of the runs I'd normally go on, I, I haven't been able to go on during local lockdown. Uh, so actually, I was quite looking forward to the national lockdown because it meant I could go on some nice runs to places I wasn't allowed to before. So, yeah. Well, I had some time off and I had like eight days off. And so I thought I'm going to make the most of this and get out as much as possible. Uh, and it was just inside Cardiff as well. So it's a bit of a challenge to myself of all the places I can explore inside Cardiff. Um, and in the end, in eight days, I ran 50k and I walked 81k, which wow. is pretty good. Um, I, I was literally looking at the map saying, right, what, what corners of Cardiff have I never been to that I need to explore? And I also found one really shit bit. I went down on to right down the bottom corner of the coast path. And then I kind of went a, a different way on the way back to head kind of along the river on the way back. But I found out there really isn't a path there and you really shouldn't go there because it's just this. Unfortunately, I, I love to say how great Cardiff is, but there's just this awful kind of section of beach that's just kind of abandoned industrial waste and it's just covered in like concrete and bricks and bits of old steel. Where was this? Uh, down at the bottom of the Rumney River. Oh, it's just that a bit side. that's basically abandoned. Because on the map, it looks like there's a path that runs all the way around, which I see is actually an access road, which you can't get to from the path. I didn't know that. And so I couldn't get to this access road. So we were just like, there's a bit of a path you could see where people had gone through. And it got to this kind of shitty beach then. And we kind of picked our way through and eventually just had to turn back because it was so terrible. Uh, and I was just like really sad. There's such an awful piece of Cardiff that we found and just I, I really hope no one sees my run and goes oh that looks nice and tries to go there because it was fucking terrible um also within that I ran my fastest dog assisted 5k I thought right fuck it I'm just going to go for it just for once um got William on the harness and we did a 5k in 21 minutes 21 which I was wow. very very pleased with that would be my joint sixth fastest 5k and it's like the fastest I've run in two years I mean obviously I've been pulled by a dog which really helps mm-hmm. he kind of gave up a bit the last four or five hundred meters i had to really kind of coax him to finish and the sprint finish i was basically alongside him and he was just like trotting but not bothered about pulling me um and that's the thing i found about canacross is it's similar to downhill running in that it's much much quicker and everyone assumes it's going to be much easier but it's really not because it mm. is you actually have to run faster than you can run yeah uh, you know I, I can probably only run 5k at the moment in about 23 minutes so i had to run that a minute and a half faster than that and it's so hard on your joints and everything and having to keep up with that pace it's really really hard i found that when pippin's been pulling me along he's like the legs just turning over the legs over and over and over and over it is it's difficult yeah (laughs) but it does completely blow my mind that like two and a half years ago i was running 30 seconds quicker than that on my own i just it just seems so strange and I was looking forward to Canacross because that was some actual proper races were coming up in the Forest of Dean and in Gloucestershire. But now, as of about an hour ago, as we record, Boris Johnson's announced there's going to be a lockdown in England, which means those races aren't going to happen. So no Canacross this year. Never mind. We haven't booked anything because we expected something might happen. So mm. never mind. We'll try some races next year. Um, there is an odd thing about Canacross as well in that it seems most of the, like, the official proper races are held over two days, a 5k on Saturday and one on Sunday. And so I asked a local group if anyone was going to go to these races, you know, just curious if anyone else locally was going to go. And I just asked there as well, you know, does anyone know why that is? It seems a bit odd and a bit, it means you're busy the whole weekend. Um, and someone was saying, basically, I didn't have many replies, but a few people came back and said, yeah, it's because it's much more of a social thing. A lot of people hang out and talk about their dogs more and dogging. 
<laughs> well, okay. I guess I'll avoid the car parks then as it gets late. So I'll head back to the campsite. Seriously? I'm not sure if they were serious. <laughs> Maybe that's an inside... Uh... That's an inside Canicross joke. <laughs> yeah, I do expect, though, as soon as we did go to Canicross, I've just got this thing that when we tell someone, you know, chatting to people, it's our first race, they'll start telling us everything we need to do. Like, oh, well, you haven't got that. Oh, you've got that You've got that harness. Well, that's not the right thing to do. You need to pull that here. You need to do this. These are the cards, commands you're supposed to give your dog. Don't say that. Do that. People are going to be just like that. I think I, I can't wait. Have you got the proper, like, uh, Canicross harness that, like, fits round you? Like yeah, yeah, a, yeah. Uh, yeah, proper, like, round, round the hips and, yeah. like, a proper one for, for William as well. So mm. we think it's pretty good kit. And, you know, we've got a good... Oh, I just bought um, some mud claws as well. So I'm very nice. much looking forward to using those. But I just can't wait for people to start telling us what to do course, at any yeah. event. Cause that'll just be... nod and smile. Oh, people do it anyway. Like, yeah. people will tell you what to do with your dog regardless. They're like babies, oh, yeah. you know. People always think they know better. Like, certain people in North America on Facebook groups. <laughs> um, well, the reason I had this week off just to do fuck all in Cardiff was because I was supposed to be going to Poland for the World Half Marathon Championships, which I obviously didn't do. Uh, I didn't even, there was a whole virtual run thing. Didn't even look at the details of that. Didn't give a shit. Still got the t-shirt, the medal and like a backpack for it though. So why even bother do a virtual run? What's the point? Are you going to wear the t-shirt? Yeah, of course I am. I've worn it already. Oh. Of course it is. First run up, as, as normal, usual rules for the for new t-shirts, first run after, wearing the new t-shirt. You haven't done it though. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I bought it. Bad luck. I could wear the medal as well. To be fair, the medal is nice because you see there, it's quite a big chunky medal, but then you lift it up. Whoa, oh, it's a what? compass. I mean, what? that's handy. I mean, when is, I'm is running it a working round, compass? That is a working compass. When I'm running around wearing my giant medal... I've got a compass just in case I get yeah. lost and take it to your next ultra. They'll say, "Have you got a compass?" So yeah, oh, and well, I actually, didn't run this yes, race. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that goes up on my medal board or not. I guess no, it doesn't. Cause no, you didn't do really. it. <laughs> I bought it. That's the main thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fine. Okay. Right. The last episode. <laughs> we had a tweet from Peter Gillibrand, our first guest uh, last time, who said, I think I came across a bit too keen about running on the Running is BS podcast. Um, so we did ask him as well if there's anything he does actually dislike about running, because he was far too happy. Um, we've, you know, we've had comments and everything. Uh, he said, the only thing I can think of uh, is about overdoing it and injuring yourself or not drinking enough water. Have many a time woken up the next day feeling hungover and dehydration. I'm like, yes. A running hangover is a real thing, but I love the thing he hates about running most is doing it too much. <laughs> oh, God. Um, at right underscore Peter says, lovely to hear Lizzie Wigster again on this week's Running is BS. Uh, Liz, I did see Liz. I've been out before lockdown. Um, I saw her at the gym a few times. Um, and she said to me, she said, last podcast, we mentioned her far too much. She was on it far too much. Really? I, I don't believe she was saying that as a bad thing. No, no. She was like, Amy, you spoke about me far too much. I think she was a bit freaked out and scared. Okay, well, we'll try not to do that anymore. Okay, we won't talk about you, Liz. I'm sorry. Won't mention Liz. At Ivor underscore Hewitt said, how much Patreon for you never to sing again? Fuck you, Ivor Hewitt. I love is, my singing. Is and that, that just directed at you, not at me? <laughs> no, that that definitely was, yeah, because that was about that was about my singing. Um, fuck you, Ivy Hewitt. That's that's all that's all there is to it. I was gonna, I did actually. I've just remembered. I was gonna write a little song and sing it about Ivy Hewitt. Time to fuck off, but I forgot. So that would have been a good thing for me to do, but I haven't. Mm. Ivy, if you um, subscribe to our Patreon, I will write you a song <laughs> calling you a dick for hating my singing. That's a good offer, right there. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Very tempting. At Grumpy Jogger says, I was very impressed by the Patreon name list Rocky 2 song. Bravo. Thank you, Kate. That's more like it. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> I thought it was fucking brilliant. But the thing about all these things I do, um, I know that I'm more amused by them than anyone else. And that suits me perfectly. Yeah, that's all that matters, really. I do these things to amuse myself entirely. Yeah, wolves don't care about the opinions of sheep. All right. <laughs> Have you been going on, like, neoliberal Twitter accounts again? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a little advice I picked up from the alt-right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pete, uh, BPM Alder, says, Just to clarify, the reason I skipped many of the playlist tracks was purely down to their tempo being generally too slow for me to run to. Their shyness or otherwise, musically, wasn't a factor. He said, I listen to some music I think is rubbish when running, if it has a good PPM. That's, I love that's his main thing. And, oh, did you like the song, Pete? Oh, yeah, the tempo was fantastic. D doesn't care about anything else. He's just all about the tempo. Uh, he said, I had brilliant in my playlist for my virtual run Norwich yesterday. My aim was to beat 50 minutes for the first time and just knew this track would push me on to personal glory. I finished in 50 minutes 21. Uh, it was my day to be almost brilliant. Ah, so it didn't work. No, it didn't work. Uh, he <laughs> needed to have a higher tempo, clearly. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, think about it. Virtual Run Norwich is probably something I should have done. I entered Run Norwich this year. Didn't do it, obviously. Uh, I didn't even see there was a virtual event, so pff, whatever. I didn't get a medal for that one, though. At least you're not going to virtual events. I don't go to actual events <laughs> when no. they're actually on. So. No, it's true. And speaking of Patreon, you can support our podcast for just £2 a month if you just head to patreon.com forward slash running is bullshit and we'll quite literally sing your praises on each episode. Uh, Amy, what have you prepared for us this week? Nothing yet. <laughs> okay. In true Amy fashion, I haven't done it yet, but it is forthcoming. And when you listen to this podcast, it will be done. Nikki Jenkins, Kirk Shepherd, Simon Ross, Matt H. And let's hope that was really good and exciting and Amy actually did it and I didn't have to fudge something to put in myself. <laughs> Moving on to our main theme of this episode, it's Halloween. Ooh, spooky noises for some fucking reason. Um, at least as we record, it is Halloween today. <laughs> but the time you hear this, all your pumpkins will be sat outside and rotten and wasted. Uh, that's my rant I try not to do about Halloween too much. I just literally read that 12 million pumpkins are going to be bought specifically to be carved and then not eaten. 12 million pumpkins. Why not, though? Why don't you just... You, like, roast the seeds and stuff, can't yeah, you? No, no one does that. that. Oh, it really pisses me off. Anyway, uh, inspired by last year's running Halloween stories from Dumb Runner, Mark Ramey, we asked for your stories. And we were overwhelmed with literally some entries, of which we will read our favourites. But first, I just want to read you a classic from Runner's World forums, and this was from 2002, and it's called Terror on the Towpath, and it's by a user called A Chimp 
rights. So armed with my head torch, I head for the Leeds Liverpool Canal and strap it on. Fantastic, can hardly see a bloody thing. So I twiddle a bit and eventually get a beam of light. That will do, just. Running along the canal, I manage to run at what in polite circles is called conversation pace. I'm pretty familiar with the surface, so I know there are no potholes or anything to worry about. Realise fairly quickly that running along the canal without the benefits of a view is pretty pointless and decide that I'll probably not bother again. I got past a marina and went up onto a road that runs parallel to the canal for a mile or so. It's no normal road though. There are locked gates at either end, which obviously means no traffic. To be honest, even on a sunny summer morning, it seems a bit spooky. I'm sure people familiar with this bit of the canal in Leeds will know what I mean. I started to run along the road when I was aware of someone on the canal side, which by now was two to three yards to my left. I was hoping they were running in the opposite direction because it was Bible black, and to be honest, I didn't like the idea of someone running in the same direction. Unfortunately, as I carried on running, I was aware of someone running behind me. I felt unsettled to say the least. As I looked around, the shortcomings of the head torch became apparent. All I could see was shadows, so I slowed down and the person behind me also slowed down. I stopped, the person behind me stopped. Okay, so what do I do now? First thing I did was switch off the torch. If I couldn't see who was behind me, the best thing to do was to make sure they couldn't see me. I then went into the bushes that separated the road from the canal and waited. What to do? After a couple of minutes of waiting, I decided to make a run for it. I started slowly, nothing. Speeded up a bit and there they were again, the footsteps. By now I was beside myself and I just ran as fast as I could. After all, there was a slim possibility that I could outrun whoever it was, but the footsteps just kept getting faster and faster, which was when it hit me. What I thought with footsteps behind me was my bloody bum bag bouncing up and down. (laughs) I felt ridiculous and terrified at the same time. I laughed in what could only be described as a manic manner and ran home with some effort. It took at least three Guinnesses before I had the nerve to tell my wife. She thought it was hilarious, as did everyone else I told. People can be so cruel. Yeah, that's fully deserved. Come on. I have done that before. I have been running and because I listen to like musical podcasts when there's been a pause and I can like hear my keys jingling or something. I think, shit, there's someone running beside me or behind me. But yeah, love that one. Absolute classic. I I read that years and years and years ago and it's still, I still think of it every time I think I can hear someone. It's my, my keys or whatever. Love it. (laughs) I love the fact they actually even went to the trouble of hiding in a bush and waiting. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) So we have got four stories to read for you, ending with our favourite that will win the Running Is BS buff. There is also a longer story from our good friend Danny Norman, and that will be added right at the end of the podcast as some bonus material. So the first one we want to read for you is from Chris Inglis. The runner's feet pounded upon the pavement. His brow grew more and more sweaty with each passing step as he drew nearer to accepting the inevitable. Looking left and right, the cold facts dawned upon him, but still he refused to recognise and believe the sheer terror of his unfortunate situation. But it could not last. Eventually, once that last lingering droplet of hope had evaporated, he finally admitted to what he already knew to be true. He had accidentally run to Newport. Terrifying. And I guess you can substitute that with whatever shit town is near you. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. This next one is from Anony Mouse. That's Anony Mouse. And it's called The Nightmare on Park Run Street. 
Yeah, I just want to thank whoever this was for sending this as a PDF as well, because <laughs> I had to download it and then copy it and then put it. It was a lot more work. Thanks for that. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, arriving at Park Run, feeling apprehensive, there was just time to find the toilets before the start. Dashing across the road was all it took for her bowels to open. Soiled <laughs> underwear and leggings were hurriedly scraped and rinsed under the tap. <laughs> scraped. <laughs> Should she fall? <laughs> Should she forfeit the park run tourist credit, missing that week's five k just because she'd pooed her pants? There was hardly time to think. There was hardly time to think. She raced to the start with seconds to spare. Crossing the finish line exhausted, she was shocked to be greeted by a friend who was unexpectedly a timekeeper. Excruciating photos followed as she tried to not let anyone get close for fear of a haunting odour being discovered. Joining a queue for the scanners, she realised she had forgotten her barcode. Oh, so much horror. This, I, I think that this, is, this is real terror, this one. Yeah. I mean, just like running around in the loo before a race is nightmare fuel enough. But uh, yeah, this is fantastic. And it's just a part run, mate. <laughs> and you can see why it's anonymous, but like someone shat themselves and then did their park run <laughs> and then tried to cover it up. I love it. Aww. Next up is a short story from Rex Payne. There is a nice crushed limestone path that goes by the creek near my house. Running at night was the best time for me to run then. And I heard this loud crack like a tree branch nearby. I pulled my headphones out to listen. Then I heard a wailing rattle down the creek. It sounded angry. The wind picked up as it crashed around me. The hair went up on my neck and I bolted. The sound of something screaming and caterwauling along the banks roared beside me, keeping pace until the path split. I don't run there now. I love how understated that is for the end. (laughs) Just kind of, yeah, I don't run there. So thank you very much, Rex. And finally, our winning story from Martin Kaplan that we chose for being so original. In fact, he said in his email, all characters are purely fictional and in no way related to any living or dead person. Moreover, no animals were harmed during the production of this piece of work. And he did apologise for his English, but we don't want you to worry because it's at least better than Amy's. (laughs) Whilst on a long run some days ago, I kind of missed the right timing to get going and ran straight into the darkness of the night. No worries though, my headlamp was fully charged and I confidently continued into the woods, hoping not to encounter any wild animals that might not appreciate me being there. I went along, headphones turned up, listening to a playlist curated by listeners of a running podcast. A pretty freaky mix, I have to admit. Lots of songs I wouldn't have picked myself or never even heard of. But it was fun and kept me from concentrating on my aching feet or on that heavy breathing of mine. Maybe that was the reason it took me so long to register the strange sounds suddenly echoing through the trees. As I removed one of the buds from my ears, I heard some kind of barking and howling. Wolves, I thought at first, but it didn't really sound like them, more more like something smaller. Then the bushes parted and a pack of wild, ferocious-looking corgis almost ran over me, followed by a strange smell that seeped through the woods. Never, ever had my nose to get a whiff of anything like it in a forest. A mixture of pee, smoke and sweat. And then I saw lights flickering in the distance coming towards me. I stood there, almost shell-shocked, and then saw a female runner, her shorts with dark stains between the thighs, something I supposed might also happen to me with my bladder about to give in in horror, her knees full of blood and her bare feet showing nails totally blackened and on fire, explaining the unsteady light I saw before. 
She got closer and closer, her eyes staring right through me, and then, in a moment of sudden clarity, looking me dead in the eye, she opened her mouth. Just building up my mileage. Then her gaze went back to the trees behind me again, and without getting any slower, she shoulder-checked me right into the ditch and went on following the barking pack that had already disappeared in the distance. I think I lay there for about a minute, until I got up, still in total shock and disbelief. From afar, I heard a strange laugh, a sound someone only produced when inhaling. The hair on my arm stood up when I realised. All the rumours are true. There is agendas in the woods near Cardiff, and she's running around all lost, never finding the paths, although she crosses them, forever haunting the area, running an ultra that no one knows is taking place. So when you get into the pubs and hear about her, listen carefully. It ain't all bullshit. Thank you very much, Martin, and well done. A BS buff will be on its way to you. Oh, God, Amy, can you imagine anything as horrifying as that story? Absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I know it's the, he said it's not based on anyone, and it's, you know, purely fictional. Yeah, I don't know where he gets his ideas from. I know, I know. Well, yeah, where do you get your ideas from, Martin? They're amazing. You should make that into a bestseller. <laughs> what a twisted imagination. <laughs> and just a final one here from A little Rob bonus. Young. Yeah, little bonus story, little short story. Uh, Rob Young says, it was 26.2 miles. There wasn't a medal. Ah! Ah! Can you even imagine? <laughs> I saw someone on Strava the other day just went and did a marathon. A Thursday morning marathon. What's that about? Yeah, Thursday morning marathon. You know, you've not heard of Thursday morning marathons? No, it's really gross. It's not right. <laughs> and well, to get in the spirit of it, obviously Amy didn't do it, but I wrote my own story as well and I like it, so I'm going to put it in here. Amy hasn't read this one either yet, so this is going to be very terrifying for Amy. Autumn really is the best time of year for runners. Not that Hayden himself was a runner, but he could appreciate the season and what it brought. The leaves turn and fall, coating the hills and trails with a crisp golden blanket. Out here, where the signposts and trail markers were left behind, the leafy covering was so thick you couldn't even see the path and any of its hidden rocks, dips, tripwires or holes. A few more adventurous sorts coming this way should see his family through the winter. Autumn really is the best time of year for runners. Ooh. I like the way your, your face is just blank at the end of that. <laughs> Thanks. I don't know if there's going to be more. No, 100 words. Precisely 100 words. Was it? That's very yeah, impressive. That, uh, that's known as a drabble. Mm, oh. I used to quite enjoy doing a little bit of short fiction, like many years ago. It was quite fun. Oh, I can tell. Is this before mm. your uh, musical theatre career? No, this is just after. I always like uh, to have a project on the go. I've kind of had, you know, I think did a bit of short fiction, and then I did blogging about beards for a while. Then I did YouTube videos, and now this. And then there'll be some <laughs> other shit after this falls apart. <laughs> I'm sure. Actually, yeah. <laughs> So thank you all very much for your Halloween stories. We hope you've enjoyed those. We hope they are suitably spooky, whatever that means, even though it's after Halloween now and, you you know, you don't care about it anymore. Mm, don't have nightmares. Do you remember when they used to say that at the end of uh, Crime Watch? Don't have nightmares. Really? <laughs> yeah, they used to Crime say Watch? That. Yeah, they used to say, don't have nightmares. <laughs> it's like, this is real life. <laughs> it wasn't even... What? Yeah, don't have nightmares. I'm pretty okay. sure, yeah. At Cheney Headshot says, turning off flyby without telling anyone is bullshit. What was a nice feature is now rendered effectively useless. How about keeping it for races rather than just opting everyone out altogether? What is, is this a Strava thing? It's a Strava thing. Yeah, it's, 
it's kind of interesting that Strava actually reacted to some criticism for a change. Uh, basically, it was, I think we mentioned before, basically, if you had flyby turned on, even though it kind of gives you the privacy kind of notice about it then, even if you're private, but your flybys on, people can see where you run and they can see precisely where you start and finish, even oh, if you've I got see. like a privacy zone set up. Uh, so what they did, in, instead of kind of fixing that, they just turned it off by default for everyone. So now you have to opt into it again. So flyby is still there. It still exists. But now it's an opt-in. They just opted everyone out. Mm. Is everyone having to pay for Strava now? Because I'm... I- I use Strava, but I'm totally confused with what's happening. I've ended up paying for it because they had a deal on for like a year. You could yeah, get it for no. a really good price. No, it still also, is, there still is, is it, a free version, yeah. But it's not as good because I saw they turned off loads of like yeah. features for free. That's why I ended up paying, which I guess was the aim of it for the year. Yeah. Um, but I've not really noticed much of a difference, to be honest. But again, I didn't know what flybys were, so I'm obviously not. No, using I think it it's. Correctly. I think it's fair enough. I think it's mm. if you're something like if it's. It's so cheap. As a runner, if you're using it every single run. Yeah. I think paying, what is it, a few pounds a month is really yeah. nothing. You really, people need cheap. to get used to paying for things. I know everything online, if, if I, there's an odd feeling of being aggrieved having to pay for something. But you're like, if you use this all the time, pay for it and it'll be good. That's the problem. Yeah. Strava are losing a shitload of money. I've read about this before. Over the last few years, they've not made a profit and they really right. have to get users up and they have to get people paying for it because people are just so used to free stuff. Yeah, that's what happened with Twitter before they started running ads was that they weren't making a, any sort of profit or anything because mm. they weren't making any money. It's like, these are still businesses. They still have to make money somehow. So I'd rather pay than have like a load of adverts all over my Strava. So yeah, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've tried doing this with quite a lot of things now. There's something else called VeloViewer that I use as well, which is a place for like assembling all of these Strava stats. It cost me like £10 a year. I think it's such a good deal because again, I use it all the time because I fucking love all the stats. Mm. So I think, and using City Strides, I pay for that. And there's a few other things that I think is totally worth paying for. And I'd rather give a little bit of money to people that are producing these things, even like people that are doing it, you know, on the side as a bit of a side hustle. I'd rather pay them to produce something good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I hate adverts, so I'd rather pay yes. than have adverts any day. <laughs> yeah. Um, at Atonement six 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 says more big Lebowski than horror, but I just hit the trig on the Garth in very low visibility. That's a big hill in Cardiff, and he said there is a large group gathered around. As I take the last few steps to the trig, it becomes apparent they are scattering someone's ashes, and I've now likely inhaled a percentage of the deceased. <laughs> That's amazing. That's, that's awful. I, I love how your name is at Atonement666. I've got a feeling you, you knew that was going to happen and you'd gone to like, you know, extend your life by another 15 years, you know. <laughs> oh, he, he did run in a pentagram around the top of the hill, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. And he is uh, 256 years old at this point. Oh, so. yeah, of course. Yeah, I forgot about that. Feeding off the ashes of the deceased. <laughs> but things the get... <laughs> When he sent that to it, like that day was really like overcast and foggy. I'm like, that's kind of a, it's kind of a shitty day to spread someone's ashes in the rain because it's just gonna. Like, if you, I guess if you spread someone's ashes, you want it to like flow out in a big cloud and like disperse into the air. But I kind of imagine this kind of just went and became mud. <laughs> I dread to think. Keith Fairburn at as the crow runs says just discovered running is bs so gonna hammer out 50 episodes in the next couple of days no doubt i wouldn't Ooh. do that keith i think that's classed no. as cruel and unusual punishment by the yeah we, we we always warn people against this and i did on twitter i did tell him just to really be careful especially you know everyone's mental health is a bit fragile at the moment yeah. so we don't want to kind of affect him anymore and sam blessed with pace came back and said the importance of rest days cannot be overstated which i think <laughs> was a, a great piece of advice <laughs> 
Yeah. He said he's on a two-day streak so far and only mild niggles. <laughs> oh, God. But you got to watch those niggles. They can develop into, you know, anything. Yeah, trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yes. It's, it's a dangerous thing. Uh, he's not going to listen to this for, well, for another uh, 48 days yet, so... <laughs> And finally, a shout out to Adam Johnson, who's appropriately enough on a Halloween episode. He is known as the ghost of Adam Johnson after, I can't even remember why, some weird incident on Facebook a few years ago. And he's now known as the late Adam Johnson or the ghost of Adam Johnson. Uh, He was on a club run last week, which is before lockdown. Uh, He wasn't paying attention and he missed the edge of the path and ended up sliding 10 feet down a grass verge towards the river and fractured his arm. Uh, Don't worry, the first thing he did was to stop his watch. And as he was 18k into his world half marathon virtual run, he naturally restarted the watch and continued to get the remaining 3k for literally no benefit whatsoever with a fractured arm. I didn't realise he'd actually fractured his arm. Like I saw on Facebook that he'd had a fall, but he fractured his arm. Yeah, he followed it up later on, uh, I think a day later with his arm in a sling saying he's just had a little cheeky visit to A&E. That's mad, but he's... What? <laughs> uh, so obviously today, which is two weeks later from that, he's out for a 10k run because that's probably enough recovery time. Has, it, has he still got his arm? Is it just in a sling or is it in a cast? Well, I'm assuming if he's running, hopefully it's not. I think it was just in a sling. I think it was just like a, a, a hairline, hairline fracture. Jesus. But he went out for a 10k run today, which is was another virtual run. Adam, stop doing virtual runs. There's no need. <laughs> well, you're not getting anything out of them. All you're doing is breaking yourself. Yeah. Here's the bullshit. Halloween special, that. Eh? Very spoopy. <laughs> Sent to us by James Smith from the Stroud News and Journal, which is, of course, uh, one of the papers we always look at for news stories. It's a big deal. Uh, it seems a runner in Yuli found out the hard way about barbed wire strung across a woodland path. Lewis Quigley had to have stitches in his leg as well as cuts to his legs and arms. Because just some twat barbed wire in the woods. Yeah, the people do that though. I've heard um, yeah. about people putting like fishing wire across trails where cyclists cycle as well, trying yeah. to knock them off their bikes. And people are just nuts, aren't they? I mean, these kind of things like you've got cyclists, you've got uh, horses, you've got dogs, and just people running and walking. Like you could potentially kill someone from something dogs like this. Dogs out of control off the lead, going mental, you know? Yeah, this guy said he's quite tall. It caught him kind of waist and leg high. But like if that catches the inside of someone's thigh, out in the woodland somewhere, it's not inconceivable. They could bleed out before they get any help. And you've got to think about the infection as well. You've got like yeah. horrible barbed wire cutting through yeah, Or a cyclist hitting that, going over the handlebars, hitting a tree or something. It's just fucking mental. It's just mm. absolutely insane. Um, this fine local news source also featured as their letter of the day, which I spotted in the sidebar. Um, the title was, Please use wired computers to protect the fertility of students, which was a deranged rant about Wi-Fi. That was their letter of the day they actually published. What? So uh, that, if anyone's interested, the Stroud News and Journal. Strange uh, things a, going a on in fine, Stroud. <laughs> a fine, fine publication. <laughs> yeah, wired computers, but please don't wire the trails. <laughs> Is this... <laughs> well done. I'm so... Hey. Didn't even think of that. We've previously spoken about Alicia Montano banging out incredible 800 meter times at 34 weeks pregnant, and now McKenna Myler has run a 525 mile at 39 weeks. Ooh. Though 
the 4.43 miler bet her husband she could still run fast in the final months of pregnancy and cashed out a sweet $100 as she smashed her husband's eight minute target. He obviously didn't believe in her that much. I think she said she could do seven minutes and he said, right, if you do eight minutes, I'll give you a hundred dollars. She ran 5.25. It was a a week before her due date. God, I I saw, um, I saw this story because I follow an Instagram account called, uh, you look like a man. And it's basically about women who, who lift and stuff and and have amazing bodies because they're like really built, but it's like lots of men commenting saying, you look awful, you look, well, you look like a man or that sort of thing. And this was on there. And some of the comments on these news stories saying like how irresponsible she is to be running when she's pregnant and all this. It's just like, come on. <laughs> yeah, because this, this professional runner's probably got no idea no, what she's yeah. doing. She probably hasn't spoken to any doctors or physios or a midwife or anything like that. She's probably just gone and done it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And her baby like fell out and all her insides are all over the track now and stuff. It was so dangerous. 5.25 with a, a week before a due date. That is incredible. Um, Strava popped up with a story here about the t-shirt world record, which has just been broken. The challenge is to see how many shirts and laps you can complete before you can no longer get on any more shirts or complete any more laps. Each shirt and lap combo needs to be completed in less than two minutes. Chris Robertson ended up with 57 t-shirts on and ran 14 miles to break the record, eventually carrying a t-shirt weight of 13 kilos and he ran an average of 6.48 per mile. Uh, the worst thing is he thinks he could have done more if he had another 20 or so t-shirts available. Oh, so he'd reached like the maximum number of t-shirts. Yeah, he, well, he, he, had had 50, he had 57 t-shirts, which are they, I guess they thought, well, that's an absurd number of t-shirts. So that'll be fine. He that's reckons insane. he could have done another 20. God, how do you work out the sizing on that as well? Like the last few t-shirts must be and There's massive. a lot of logistics, just collecting all the t-shirts, putting them out in order as well from smallest to largest. There's no like tank tops or um, vests available. Um, so you've got to wear t-shirts, but that is that is mental. Yeah. 13 kilograms as well. That's 30 kilograms of t-shirt. And it's just <laughs> that the photo is really weird. There's a couple of guys who just look like really big guys with skinny legs. <laughs> And the world 100 metres men's champion, Christian Coleman, has been banned for two years after missing three drugs tests. Quite suspicious. <laughs> His final missed test was a one hour period where he needed to be home, uh, but instead was out shopping and then lied about what time he got home. <laughs> I mean, he's, he followed up and said like, oh, I'll take a drug test every day for the rest of my career if it proves me right. And like, if you're that dedicated to it, why weren't you a fucking home for an hour yeah. yeah. You've got yeah. three tests, like three tests a year or something. You need to be at home for an hour. He said, oh, I was shopping like five minutes away. Well, like, well you shouldn't have been shopping. No. Fucking no. And then he said, I was, no, I got back at quarter past six. And, but the guys, they, the testers took a photo of his front door at like 6.21 to say that they'd left. He um, then insisted he was home at 6.15, but he's, there's a receipt that he bought something at 6.22 in the shop. So like, why fucking lie about it? So mm. stupid. Mm. Um, I saw this because there was a tweet from Nick Harris at Sporting Intel on Twitter. And he uh, pointed out of the 50 fastest men's 100 meter sprint times ever, only 15 have been run by an athlete not banned for drugs or banned for missed tests or accused of doping. All 15 of those are Usain Bolt. Jeez. And I think that extends to 17 out of 63 if you extend it up. That's mad. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I've seen these lists before where they've showed like the top 100 
100 meter sprint times and crossed off all the ones that have subsequently been banned or had some kind of allegations against them and it's just there's so few left and it's just basically just Usain Bolt and a couple of other guys it's just mad I think though there should be like a doped up Olympics where there's no there's no restrictions and we just see who can run the craziest like superhuman doped up to their eyeballs run you know what I that mean? Like 100 horrifying. meters. And they're like mass, like on steroids, like massive muscles in their legs, but all the rest of their body is like really aerodynamic. And yeah, let's see how fast we can push the human body. No, that sounds like the worst thing. <laughs> as soon as you start to think about that, that is horrifying. Yeah, it'd be amazing. <laughs> oh, no, no, I don't want that at all. I don't want that at all. And as it turns out, there's no ultra records this time, as far as I can tell. So I don't get to play my uh, ultra running theme tune, which I'll probably never get to play again. It's a bit of a shame. Um, and Matt Garner pointed out uh, there was a bit Thundercatsy. I didn't even notice that. I, I was just, that was obviously in the back of my head somewhere. That was not an intentional homage to Thundercats. It's just what came out of my head. Mm. No crossroads in there then? No, I don't think so. I, sh- I should have put in a little cheeky reference. To that. I don't think enough people know the theme tune. <laughs> and I'm not in any way talented enough to, to do that. So... Coming up on the next episode, that's right, we're talking about our next episode again. That's how organised we are. Uh, the one after that, we've no idea. But on our next episode, we've got a very special feature for you as we take on a Top Gear-style challenge, though with less racism. Yep, yeah, we've kissed ourselves out 100%, well, maybe almost 100%, mm-hmm. from everyone's favourite Chinese garbage online shop, Wish. And we'll let you know what bargains we picked up. Yeah, there's no random bondage gear or anything in there, the kind of stuff no. you get advertised to you on Facebook. Um, no. Well, that, well, we're not using it for this anyway. We've, we've got that separately anyway, because, you know, it's great, great price. Exactly. And let me just say, as a spoiler alert, trying to get this stuff shipped over was the most arduous, complicated thing ever. Anyone who's ever bought anything Wish can attest. Yeah, trying to get this stuff delivered was the most arduous process ever. And anyone who's ordered from Wish will know. Like, you have no idea when that stuff's going to arrive. It could be tomorrow. It could be three years from now. Yeah, I mean, getting, probably getting one thing might be fine, but we're ordering like seven or eight things each, and it's been mm. a complete ball of ache. We'll talk about it uh, next time. So, Stuart, what have you got coming up next? Well, on my script, I've got Canacross. Hooray! But that's all cancelled now because of of COVID. Um, So nothing again. Yep, same thing. But at least I can do long runs. Oh, you know, actually, our club's just said we're going to do a thing next weekend. I don't think you know this yet, but we're going to be just running as far as we can over a weekend just as a little thing to do. So I'm going to, for some reason, I've just thought, yeah, I'll run 50k over a weekend. Why not? Seems like a laugh. What, all in one go? Are we going to end up? No, no, over like a few (laughs) days. Okay, yeah, yeah. Over the whole weekend, I think, oh, yeah, I'll run 50k over a weekend. How bad can that be? Yeah, yeah. I imagine it's going to be pretty bad. Yeah, it's kind of like doing a marathon when you've not done any training to run a marathon. Oh, you'll be fine then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't really got anything coming up either. I want to carry on, um, you know, running with Pippin, trying to get a more focus, working on those bits. Uh, yeah, hope, well, our lockdown's supposed to finish on the 9th of November, but whether or not mm-hmm. we'll be plunged into another one, I don't know. I'm hoping I can go back to the gym at some point because I do miss going to the gym. But who knows? Who knows what's going to be happening? Yeah, that's now seven months of a uh, fortnightly running podcast with very little running happening anywhere in the world. Yeah. It's, it's really great. That's why this one's another slightly shorter one because... Mm. Send some stuff in. Yeah, that's what we want. Get people to keep sending stuff in. Uh, you can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, you can email us, runningisball at gmail.com. Have a look at our website. Um, 
that takes me into the kind of closing bit here. If you've enjoyed this bullshit, please visit runningisbs.com to see the show notes and the links from this episode and the whole back catalogue, as well as links to our Patreon merch store and social medias. Please do get involved. Send us your shit if you've got something to complain about, if you've had a shit run, if your shorts have fallen off while you're running, anything stupid like that. We need to know about it. And photos of injuries. We love those. Yep. No photos of feet, though. I don't want to see any feet. And to finish, a story from Danny Norman. The most terrifying experience of my running life came when I found myself alone deep in the middle of Richmond Park one winter's night, having been long since dropped by my running club compatriots. With the lack of artificial light penetrating the park due to the distance away from any street lighting or houses, it meant a struggle to see where to land my feet safely. Focus and concentration became all about the immediate few feet in front of me and staying upright. A few rustles in the trees here and there, probably by deer, and the occasional owl hoot added to the ever-heightening anxiety and flurry of terrified thoughts as to how vulnerable I had become and realising no one knew exactly where I was. Then all of a sudden I saw I could see a slender figure sliding towards me from the side coming out from deep within the trees. Its pace increased sharply to match mine. It was rapidly encroaching upon me. I picked up the pace but just couldn't shake it off. It was then I saw the twisted, horrifying creature clearly, pale and scrawny. It aimed itself at me. There was nothing I could do. Flight didn't work. Perhaps fighting was my only option left. Just as an arm came outstretched towards me, I prepared to battle for my life. It was then all of a sudden like time had stopped. My vision sharpened, my pupils enlarged, caused by the adrenaline surge, and I could clearly see what monster the wretched body belonged to. A cold, spindly finger touched me on the shoulder, and I thought this was it. My time had ended. It turned out it was one of my clubmates who doubled back to collect me. I was safe. No need to fear. But then, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something very unusual about my compatriot. Something not quite right. It was then I let out a blood-curdling scream. It echoed deep through the black surrounds. My only hope was that someone would hear it and save me from the horror there, upon his legs, the most hideous, contorted sight I have ever had the misfortune of laying my eyes upon. Something no human being should have to suffer having scorched into their memory. A tortuous image, like something Satan himself had carved in the pits of hell and brought to the surface. Shites! He was wearing shites! Running tights under running shorts! I had never seen such a terrifying sight before, and it makes me feel sick in the pit of my stomach to this day just thinking about them. That is the most terrifying running story of my life.